0: Our second reading today comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Since Easter, we have been taking a look at post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We've looked at Jesus appearing to the disciples at various times, whether it's on the lake while they're fishing, in the locked upper room, on the road to Emmaus, coming to give the proof to Thomas that he so desperately needed. And today we are ending with the Great Commission. Next week is Pentecost. And then after that, we'll be beginning a new summer, uh, sermon series for the summer. We're going we're, got tongue tied for a minute, where we will be looking at the heroes of the Bible. And during the summer, I'm going to invite you to come forward and to share some heroes of your faith. It could be someone like a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, someone who is close to you, someone who you knew well. Or it could be some public figure who inspired you, like uh, Billy Graham or or Mr. Rogers. I mean, invite you to share the heroes of your faith as we discuss the heroes of the Bible and what make them heroes. But today we're concluding the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus with a passage known as the Great Commission. And it's known as this because Jesus commissions the disciples To go and visit all the nations of the earth, to baptize in his name, to teach people to follow what Christ has taught. It's a well-known passage to Christians and non-Christians alike. But because the end part of the passage is so well-known, there's one verse that often gets lost. The disciples go to the mountaintop where Jesus has instructed them to go, and they see him. And the scripture says, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They worshipped, but some doubted. This shouldn't surprise us. Doubt has been a common refrain through these post-resurrection stories. Whether it's Jesus needing to eat fish to prove that he was not a ghost whether it's Jesus the disciples not recognizing Jesus whether it's Jesus taking Thomas's hand and say here are the wounds in my hands and in my side but here they're at the mountaintop with Jesus they see him they worship him but some doubted what did they doubt Surely it wasn't the resurrection. Here is Jesus again in front of them in flesh and blood speaking to them. Surely they did not doubt the resurrection. Maybe they doubted when he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But then he gives them commands. They've seen him Calm the storms. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him command the blind to see and the lame to walk. Jesus speaks as one with authority. They worshipped him, but some doubted. I think what they doubted was the unsaid you you go and baptize in all nations. You go and teach people to follow my commands. They did not doubt the resurrection. They doubted their calling in the resurrection. They doubted what it was that Jesus was commanding them to do. After all, they had failed Jesus time and again. When he was with them time and again, they didn't understand what he was saying. They missed the point. They argued among themselves who should be greatest. When Jesus was arrested and crucified, they scattered like the winds. They didn't doubt that he was resurrected. It's hard to believe that this Jewish peasant who needled the Jewish authority, who needled the Roman authority, uh, authorities, was crucified and put to death. It's hard to believe that he would rise from the dead. But I think for the disciples, it was harder to believe that he would take his life's work. That he would take everything he did during his life, the work that he was willing to die for, and put it into their hands. And give it over to them. And give it over to you. To me, to us. They worshipped, but some doubted. I think the Gospel of Matthew is all about making disciples. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus doesn't say, Believe me. He doesn't say, Believe in me. Instead, his refrain is, Follow me. In John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In Matthew's gospel, he says, you are the light of the world. Jesus is passing the baton. Jesus is handing over his life's work to the disciples. And they, in turn, pass it over to us. They worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus commissions them, worshipers and doubters alike, to go out into the world. To share the good news of of God's love and grace as made manifest in Jesus Christ. To go and share the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that death and sin are conquered. To baptize in Christ's name and to teach others to follow Christ's commandments. That is his charge to the disciples. They worshipped, but some doubted. I think an interesting facet of this is that maybe discipleship, maybe obedience, comes before belief. We often think good works follows good faith. That we do good things because of what Christ has done for us. But when the worshippers and the doubters stood there, Jesus did not go into some lengthy explanation. He did not give some theological treaties. He did not try to quell away their doubts. Instead, he gave them a command. He gave them marching orders. If someone came to me and said, Chris, I'm not sure if I believe in God. I'm not sure that Christ was really the Messiah or that he really walked the earth or that he really rose from the dead. We would talk about scripture and talk about theologians and talk about our faith's tradition. I wouldn't say, you doubt? Great, go work at the homeless shelter. You doubt? Go volunteer at the food pantry. You doubt? Great. We've got an opening for warm nights this coming Saturday. Sign up. No, we would talk and try to reason away their doubts. We would try to address their questions. But that's not the approach that Jesus takes. They worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus says, Go, baptize in my name, teach my lessons. Share my love and grace with everyone in the world. Just maybe. Maybe we have to be willing to follow Christ. Maybe we have to be willing to submit to Christ's authority. Maybe we have to be willing to serve God in Christ. Before we can truly live into our faith. Maybe for some of us, obedience precedes faith. We're going to be talking about heroes in a few weeks. And one woman who had a a huge impact on my faith, uh, she went on mission trips with me when I was in high school. Her name uh, is Mary Downing. She was Mary Liner at the time. She was, I'm terrible with ages, but probably early to mid-30s when I was in high school. And we established a close friendship that continued into college. And I remember meeting with her several times when I'd be home from college. And she said, Chris, I've heard some things that trouble me while you were in college. And I would play dumb. And, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Thinking, which of the many stupid things I've done has she heard? And she'd give me some advice. I remember once she's saying, Chris, you, you talk the talk, but you need to walk the walk in your faith. Another time, she told me, Chris, if you're struggling with your faith, and you've probably heard this, fake it until you make it. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Follow me. Submit to me. Serve me and you will see me at work in this world. Then you can truly live into your faith. Then you can truly be a disciple. They worshipped, but some doubted. When I was living in the Presbytery of Great Rivers in uh, the middle part of Illinois, I served on the Committee for Preparation on Ministry. And this is the committee that anyone who feels a call to ministry, they come through and we question them, we examine them, we watch over them, we interact and live with them, not live with them, but live with them in their walk for three to four years as they go away to seminaries, as they jump through all the hoops and the red tape that we put up for them. And we get to know many of them very well, and we decide as a committee who continues to ministry and who washes out. It's a, a huge burden, a huge responsibility, and a huge honor. And I remember almost all the people we examined Shared one char- characteristic. They were arrogant. They were very full of themselves. If I want to be polite, they were confident. And I remember talking to my mom one day and her saying that, well, I think most pastors are arrogant to an extent. You have to be arrogant, you have to be a little full of yourself to think that God called you to a purpose. That God called you to proclaim God's word. God called you to proclaim the gospel. And I think there's some truth to that. But I think also along with that, there is a lot of insecurity. Because it is a huge burden. It is a huge honor. It's a huge privilege. It's a huge responsibility. And I remember when I went before the Committee on Preparation for Ministry and they would question me and ask me, I would do my best to come across as confident and arrogant. If I put up the strong front, maybe they wouldn't dig too deep. Maybe they wouldn't push too hard, maybe they wouldn't ask me about predestination and double predestination and what Calvin thought about this and Luther thought about that. Maybe they wouldn't expose me as a fraud. Because I think many pastors, I know I certainly do, suffer from imposter syndrome. Where we recognize the burden that's been placed on our shoulders. We recognize the calling that we've been called to. And the responsibility that goes with that. And we worry that we can never live into it. And we're right. We can't. Not by ourselves. But I think that if I had been more trained when I talked to my mom, I would say it's not just pastors that are called, but we are all called to serve God. We aren't all called to be clergy, but we're called to serve God in whatever roles we're called to, whether it's teacher or nurse or administrator or garbage man or doctor or lawyer. Wherever we're called to serve, we're called to serve God. Whatever vocation we find ourselves in, we are doing God's work. And we're called to proclaim the gospel and to go and teach and baptize. Now, I'm not saying you should go baptize in your place of work. That could cause trouble for you. But you should be a Christian witness. It's a burden we all bear. It's a responsibility we all bear. And it's not one we bear alone jesus told the disciples that he would be them until the end of the age and he is with us jesus also told the disciples let me take your yoke from uh, your burden for my yoke is easy and he bears that burden and that responsibility with us in each of the resurrection post resurrection appearances of jesus there's some element of doubt. Some element of questioning. Because it's hard to believe that someone who is dead in a tomb for three days could rise and live again. I think sometimes we have a harder time believing in ourselves as much as Christ believes in us. We worship, but some doubt. But Christ does not doubt. Christ has faith in us. Christ believes in us. Christ commissions us to walk in our faith, to live out the gospel, to live out God's love and grace. We may doubt, but Christ has faith in us. And he calls us to be disciples. So friends, let us rise and sing. Let us sing, Today We Are Called to Be Disciples. It's hymn number 434.